Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. You're listening to a Countout Podcast. In 1991, the first ever G1 Climax was born. Replacing the former World Leagues and IWGP League tournaments, this new tournament took the top heavyweights New Japan Pro Wrestling had to offer to see who truly was the best in the promotion. But not everyone got the opportunity to compete in the G1 Climax. After all, the G1 Climax was for the best of the best and to be invited in was an honor in of itself. Some wrestlers never appeared, while some competed year in and year out. Today, however, we will be discussing the men that got the call only one time. This is G1 and Only. Welcome to G1 and Only. My name is Ryan Knightsey. On today's episode, we are talking about someone who many people call one of the most innovative wrestlers of the early 2000s. A trainee of Ultimo Dragon, this quirky Italian model turned wrestler was a fan favorite from the start along with his invisible dog. You know him today as one of the voices of the New Japan Pro Wrestling commentary team. Today, we are talking about Milano Collection AT. Akihito Sawafuji was born August 27, 1976. I couldn't find much about his early life, but in wrestling, Sawafuji made his debut in the Tormon promotion, where he officially became known as Milano Collection AT. 
Milano's gimmick was an Italian fashion supermodel who had lavish attire and his own invisible dog. That's how you know how rich you are when your dog is invisible. Milano did extremely well in Ultimo Dragon's Torimon promotion, winning and becoming the inaugural NWA International Light Heavyweight Champion. Even though that specific title didn't last long, Milano continued to excel, joining Torimon's main roster for a number of years. After Torimon became Dragon Gate and some more solid wrestling within this new named promotion, Milano traveled to Texas, of all places, and trained and wrestled in the United States, working at ECWA, Ring of Honor, NWA, Chikara, and TNA. In 2006, Milano returned to Japan and became a part of the New Japan roster. There, he joined the Rise faction and competed and won the 2007 Best of the Super Juniors tournament. Following that win, Milano was able to enter the 2007 G1 Climax tournament, and that's where our story begins today. So why don't we walk down the runway and watch the great artistic work that is Milano Collection AT's one and only G1 Climax. Milano Collection started his one and only G1 Climax run, taking on one-time G1 Climax participant, Toru Yano. As Yano enters the ring, Milano goes right on the attack, taking off his robe, throwing it into Yano's face, and super kicking him for a two count. Yano does, however, take control of the match in classic Yano fashion with a low blow, but Milano catches Yano with a roll-up for another close count. Yano picks up Milano for a powerbomb. Milano strikes his way out, but when he gets down, Yano hits him with a belly-to-back suplex, then dumps Milano to the outside. A lot of fast and back-and-forth action here. Yano attacks Milano with his signature chair outside the ring, a suplex to the floor, then enters the ring looking for the countout. He wants to get a win via countdown and easy two points. It's a long tournament, folks. You gotta get those wins where you can. Back in the ring, Yano tries to just overpower Milano just by throwing him down to pin with suplexes and chokes. Now remember, Milano Collection AT is a junior heavyweight. Yano is a heavyweight, so it's it's rare to have juniors in the G1 Climax. You know, you have Jushin Thunder Liger, you have Milano Collection AT here. It's rare to have juniors in here, so getting the opportunity to perform uh, at this level is already difficult. I mean, look at how he started the match. He wanted to go for that cheap route early. Uh, Yano locks in the single-leg Boston Crab, but Milano is able to reach the ropes. Yano gets up, goes for a clothesline, but Milano Matrix dodges his way out, and they both end up outside the ring. Both men outside the now, Yano hits Milano with the ring bell hammer, then brings Milano over to the legit entrance ramp. Uh, Yano tries to hit Milano with his chair, but Milano Matrix dodges yet again. Milano drops Yano and puts him into the well-known, well-famous Paradise Lock. The referee is at a count of 18. Milano makes a full sprint to the ring. Crowd cheering. Yano is able to get out of the lock. He's able to find that key, open up his lock, get out, but doesn't matter. He doesn't make it back to the ring. He has counted out. Milano Collection AT picks up the victory. Conclusion. 
Milano Collection AT defeated Toriano in 6 minutes exactly. As a junior heavyweight of the tournament, Milano Collection AT is going to be constantly working from underneath. You know, he's just the babyface underdog by circumstance. Even if he isn't that much of a babyface character, just by the circumstance of being the junior heavyweight in this great uh, tournament, he happens to be that underdog. So he starts the match out by jumping Yano, which worked in his favor, of course. You know, Yano proved later that he can outmuscle Milano quite easily throughout the match. Uh, and that's sort of what led to Milano's downfall at the second half of the match there. Not only that, but this is Yano Great Bash heel Yano. So he's not afraid of using low blows and chair shots as well. Of course, he's able to use it a lot later, but uh, this is like he's there's no comedy. It's just like, I'm going to do this. Whether or not this was Milano's strategy or purely based on circumstance yet again, Milano realized that Yano was looking for that count-out victory. I noted that earlier. Yano goes for the count-out victory to uh, sort of that intermission part going into the second act of this match. He's looking for that count-out victory. That's the smoking gun, if you will. So Milano uses that smoking gun of the count-out victory, and whereas Yano doesn't get it the first time, Yano attempts to overdo it on the second time, but much to his ironic chagrin, uh, it you know it doesn't work for him. Milano uses this opportunity to his advantage by capturing Yano in the Paradise Lock and rushing to the ring to earn that counter victory. He shows himself off to be a wrestler of circumstance and opportunity, and as the junior in the G1 Climax, hopefully he can keep this up. Block B, Night 1, ends with Milano Collection AT and Shiro Koshinaka with two points, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shinsuke Nakamura with one point, and Toriyano and Manabu Nakamishi with zero points. Moving into night two, Milano tries to take the block lead by facing eight-time G1 Climax participant Shiro Koshinaka. And as you can probably already suspect, there is no match audio, because for whatever reason, the DVD did not have audio. Who knows? Anyway, let's get to the match. At the start of the match, Milano uh, is allowing Shiro to get into the ring. Uh, he sort of taunts him a little bit with that invisible dog, but Shiro does not care about this fake leash gimmick. So he yanks the leash out from Milano's hands and chucks the dog, leash and all, into the audience, just flying it. Almost like it was like Snitsky out here. Uh, Milano gives off this huge look of concern because his dog just got chucked chucked like Peyton Manning chucked uh in deep into the crowd he's, he's like almost like talking to the crowd making sure the dog is safe uh but eventually the match does start off with the two men exchanging slaps to each other Milano gets Shiro down and then Paradise locks Shiro into the ropes he then does this weird quirky zany wild insane flying drop kick arms flailing and all uh, and then follows up with a diving hip attack onto the outside. Shiro absorbs the hip attack and gets up onto the ring apron and gives his own, knocking Milano uh, off his feet over the guardrail even uh, into the crowd. Back in the ring, Shiro does some hip attacks of his own, then goes for a surfboard stretch. Milano is able to get out. Actually, no, I take that back. Shiro actually releases him uh, out of the hold uh, there. Manala locks in the figure four leg lock, and after a long back and forth, Shiro gets to the ropes. Shiro takes control of the match, you know, taking, just beating down Milano here. 
Milano tries to fight back, but Shiro just absorbs his blows. So Milano like chops him. Shiro's just like, like absorbs it and then deals it back with presumably even more punishment. Milano is able to land a huge super kick into a springboard moonsault off the second rope. Shiro powers out at one. Milano runs the rope. Shiro leapfrogs over Milano. Milano catches Shiro on the roll through and wins the match. Conclusion. Milano Collection AT defeated Shiro Koshinaka in 10 minutes and 29 seconds. As a former junior, Shiro really displayed the closest sort of junior matchup that we're going to get with Milano in the G1 Climax. And really, it shows that sort of evolution of junior to heavyweight. Shiro, throughout the entire match, was, you know, like I said, absorbing Milano's blows. Blows that, as a junior, would have done more proper damage. But, you know... That's the thing. Damage is still damage. You know, like Ishii, you can make it appear like you're just absorbing damage. But at a certain point, you're you're fooling yourself and you succumb to the super kick, the moonsault and get caught in a roll up. So whereas it shows a junior to heavyweight uh, divide in terms of uh, absorbing damage from a smaller, lighter person, um, you know, as you're the heavyweight, you're, you tend to be the stronger, bigger guy. But it doesn't make you smarter. It doesn't make you better at wrestling. You know, we see this a lot with the junior heavyweight champions that do show up in the G1 Climax. They can beat low-level heavies. Even just really good juniors can beat heavies. I mean, look at Ishimori versus Goto, which happened in 2021, very uh, recently at the time of this recording. You know, here, Milano is just too good. The better wrestler who beat the former junior. Block B, night two, ends with Milano with four points at the top of the block, Nakamura with three points, Koshinaka and Tanahashi with two points, Yano with one point, and Nakanishi with zero points. On night three of the 2007 G1 Climax, Milano Collection AT takes on the once-in-a-century talent, five-time G1 Climax participant, and 2004 G1 Climax finalist, Hiroshi Tanahashi. It should be noted here, this is 2007. This is post-Anokiism, and one person that is constantly known and celebrated about to uh you know sort of take out of the dark age the enokiest age in new japan that is hiroshi tanahashi so this is a huge matchup for milano collection at here but and i think he recognizes that at the very least you know like his first match milano attacks tanahashi before the bell even rings going for that surprise roll up but of course doesn't get it the two go to the outside, and Milano uh, bangs Tanahashi off of the, uh, what's this, the steel pole? What's <laughs> the ring? Ring pole. What is that? I feel like that has a name. I'm forgetting it all of a sudden. Uh, post? Post. That works. Uh, he bangs Tanahashi off the post while Tanahashi's on the ground. Uh, Milano, uh, like he's at, at some sort of Chipotle, rolls Tanahashi up with the ring mat. So he's literally burritoed up there on the outside. Milano, like like you learned from Yano, looking for that count-out victory. I've never seen this done before in a wrestling match, but it is the most ingenious move I've never seen. I've ever seen, you know, kayfabe-wise and all. 
literally rolling up your opponent in a in a wrestling mat so that they can't get out. You're looking for the count out victory. It's so it's such a smart move. I've never seen it happen. It really should happen more often because that's such a cool idea. Tanahashi does get out, of course, but upon re-entry, Milano goes right after Tanahashi and his left leg specifically. Milano applies the figure four and Tanahashi is able to reach the ropes. Milano puts Tanahashi into the paradise lock on the ropes, calls for claps, and like the like the great Dodo, hits Tanahashi with a flying dropkick. Tanahashi gains control of the match soon after, and the two go to the outside. Tanahashi performs this beautiful second rope springboard high fly flow to Milano laying on the outside. The impact was unbelievable. Basically, uh, you know, he is out, he is on the ring apron, stands onto the second rope, and then jumps, springboards himself off into a high fly flow, and Milano's just laying flat on the ground. So that impact, that sound, unbelievable. Milano makes it back into the ring. Tanahashi goes to the top rope, but Milano stops him, then hits him with a top rope cutter. Instead of going for the pin, Milano shoulder blocks Tanahashi and hits an insane high-angle German suplex, basically right on the neck, then follows that up with a on-the-money superkick. Milano goes for a leg capture suplex, but Tanahashi tries to escape, tries to reach the ropes to, to defend himself, but Milano is able to overpower Tanahashi and hit the suplex. Milano is still in full control here. Tanahashi goes for a sling blade. Milano matrixes, dodges out of the way, uh, but that is where it falls out. Tanahashi, being the smart, great wrestler that he is, sees Milano in that matrix dodge bridge move and hits a flipping senton onto Milano. Both end up getting up at the same amount of time. Tanahashi is able to hit the sling blade, and he picks up Milano, who then rolls him up for a pin, gets a 2.9 count out of it. Tanahashi still determined that he's going to finish out Milano here, gets Milano back up. He's so no, 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 I'm not going to do this 2.9 roll-up gimmick. Instead, he hits him with that spinning sleeper move that he uses and then throws him away into a huge high-fly flow from across the ring and gets the victory. Conclusion. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Milano Collection AT in 9 minutes and 59 seconds. You know, taking on the ace of New Japan, Milano did fairly well. What Tanahashi does, and really what the ace mentality is all about, is containing your own star power while also giving another, your opponent really, enough shine to look good. To me, this was Milano's best match so far, and it makes sense because, you know, he's in there with Hiroshi freaking Tanahashi. The two went out and had some great sequences. That Matrix dodge into a the, the Tanahashi senton was fun. You know, even Milano gets that 2.9 count. He's looking good. He's getting that shine, which is what the ace is meant to do, right? He's meant to put over the future while still being important. The tough road to cross we see road to cross and maybe i maybe that was a slip of the tongue on purpose uh but it, hiroshi tanashi is able to do that greatly to great effect 
Milano looks great here, and it's without a doubt because of the Tanahashi elevation. Block B, night three, ends with Milano, Tanahashi, and Koshinaka with four points, Nakamura and Yano with three points, and of course, Nakanishi with zero points. For night four, the G1 Climax, Milano tries to break out of the top of the block with a win over three-time G1 Climax participant and 2005 G1 Climax semifinalist Shinsuke Nakamura. But this match wasn't on the DVD, so I cannot review the match itself. Womp womp. You know, it, it, I hate it. I hate when this happens. It happened before, but... What are you going to do? I mean, looking at this match, historically speaking, we can give this, we can give this result. Shinsuke Nakamura defeats Milano Collection AT in 12 minutes and 30 seconds, the longest match of Milano's entire G1 Climax tournament. Milano, of course, earned another loss, but this time to another musketeer. So you can't really feel bad for the guy. I have to imagine that this match was also really good. It's Nakamura after all. I mean, Nakamura is not Tanahashi, but he's still Nakamura, if that makes sense. You know, it doesn't matter. He was probably distracted because he was thinking about all the dog walking he had to do later in the day. Block B, night four, ends with Nakamura and Yana with five points. Milano, Tanahashi, and Koshinaka with four points. And Nakanishi with two points. Nice job, Nakanishi. That's what I'm talking about, Manabu. In his last match of the 2007 G1 Climax, Milano looks for the win in the entire block when he faces 10-time G1 Climax participant and the 1999 G1 Climax winner, Manabu Nakanishi. Before the match starts, like usual, Milano tries to attack Nakanishi, but Nakanishi sees it coming. He sort of dodges out of the way. Milano's like, uh, okay, hold on. Let me see if I can do this. And Manabu's like, okay, no, I saw you come with that. Manabu does try to get back in the ring, and that's when uh, Milano is able to uh, use his plan and throw and attack him and kick him to the outside and whatnot. Uh, but Manabu at least saw it coming, which is, you know, a good move. Back in the ring, Nakanishi uses his big boy plan to chop down Milano and headbutt him, and it works quite well, of course. Milano dodges Nakanishi and goes for a Mahi strong roll, but doesn't get it. Milano catches Nakanishi again with a different kind of roll. I don't even know what this roll was called, uh, but this doesn't work either. Milano constantly trying to use his wrestling skill to his advantage. It's, it's his quickness mixed with his wrestling knowledge that he's trying to find ways to capture the great and powerful powerful Manabu Nakanishi. Nakanishi chops Milano again, and it just drops him in one. Nakanishi, this is his big boy plan. He is just way too powerful, um, and it's not looking good for Milano. Milano sees it coming. He's got to use that strength. He hits a super kick on Milano, and he's able to hit a spinning DDT onto Nakanishi. Milano, now in control of the match, goes for a Hurricane Rana off the top rope, but when he tries to uh, spin around, I should say, Nakanishi catches Milano uh, and pulls him up looking for that power bomb, similar to the Yano match. Milano grabs the referee for support, who's right there, uh, and is able to turn the Hurricane Rana, turn the power bomb into a roll-up, but doesn't get the victory. 
Milano goes for the super kick again, but Nakanishi catches the super kick this time and lariats Milano. He's he's adapting, he's learning, he's like a creature from Jurassic Park. He's learning from his opponent. In a funny spot, Milano's partner jumps to the ring apron with a bunch of bananas, literally a bunch of bananas, like a whole thing uh, for the ape-like Nakanishi, I'm guessing. Nakanishi, you know, tells him to F off, and this distraction helps Milano land a German suplex on Manabu Nakanishi. Milano, looking that he's in control of the match, he wants to go for another move, but Nakanishi, uh... Polish hammers him. Nakanishi stops him dead in his tracks. He calls for the ending and nails a German suplex of his own onto Milano for the victory. Conclusion. Manabu Nakanishi defeats Milano Collection AT in 5 minutes and 29 seconds. To close out his G1 Climax experience, Milano took on the supposed big ape Manabu Nakanishi. And through this match, the most obvious thing to me comes clear in that this was the that disparity, that large disparity between genre heavyweight and heavyweight. Maybe even you can argue super heavyweight with Milano with Manabu. The match layout is quite simple, with Milano using his speed and wrestling knowledge to try and catch Manabu uh, off guard, but at the end of the day, it is Manabu's sheer size and power that proves to be too much. And unlike previous tournaments with Manabu Nakanishi, he's sort of gaining intelligence. We've talked about before that Manabu Nakanishi is a big dude in previous G1 climaxes, but he's not like the smartest, as my sister once called me, she, he's not the smartest tool in the shed. You know, he is, uh, he, he's, an ape, I guess. I guess that's the idea, right? But he's it's not that. It's not the same Anabu. He's a, he's becoming a veteran. He's he's 10-time G1 Climax participant. He's won the tournament uh, at this point 8 years ago. He's learning. He's a smart dude still. You know, he's not the ape attracted to bananas. He's not even fooled by the Milano pre-match jump. He's able to catch the super kick on the second time around. You know, he does get hit in times but he's seeing it coming. He's adapting. Like I said, he's adapting. He's learning. And that's ultimately how Milano Collection AT loses here. Milano, in sort of an egotistical, maybe stereotypical way, he assumes Manabu was, like I said, an idiot ape, which, look, makes sense when you're an Italian supermodel. You're looking, you're a supermodel. You got an invisible dog. You got this guy who's just traps McGee over here, uh, who's just going, just looks like an ape. Like I said, he tr- if he looks like an ape, he must be an ape, so we're going to treat him like an ape. But that's the thing, Manabu Nakanishi is not an ape. He is a wrestler with some level of brains and knowledge and understanding and veteran-like status. So if Milano was able to put aside his ego to take Manabu Nakanishi seriously, maybe he would have been able to walk away with the victory and maybe... Seeing how the rest of the night played out, maybe he could have won the whole G1 Climax, but it is Milano Collection's ego, it's his pride, it's his, in a way, I don't want to say intelligence, but lack of wisdom that got him the loss. Uh, I solely blame, you would solely blame Milano Collection AT for this loss here. Block A, Night 5, ends with Nakamura with 7 points, Tanahashi with 6 points, 
Yano with five points, and all tied at the bottom of the block, it's Milano Collection AT, Nakanishi, and Koshinaka with four points. This marked the end of regular G1 Climax tournament matches. All wrestlers have faced each other in tournament, and because the final night did not pan out the way he wanted to, Milano Collection AT has been eliminated. That's fine. I'm sure, you know, he has some modeling jobs he can get him, you know, can get busy with, get some more cash. I'm sure he will be fine. Following 2007 G1 Climax, Milano Collection AT signs a full-time contract with New Japan. Uh, he continued to go out, you know, go to outside places like Dragon Door and TNA, but otherwise he continued to do well. He was never able to win any championships, uh, but he was able to, you know, he do a decent enough job in the junior division at the time. I mean, this is 2007, 2008, 2009. He's doing extremely well. Problem is, is that at one point in 2009, he begins to have eye issues uh, where he gets uh, kicked in the head. I believe it was by Gato, actually. It was either Gato or Giotto. I believe it was Gato. Gets kicked in the head during a match, super kicked to the eyeball, practically, and he is forced to immediately undergo surgery. Turns out he gets diagnosed with inferior oblique muscle palsy. And on January 16th, 2010, Milano Collection AT announces his retirement from professional wrestling. Thankfully, though, things didn't just end there for Milano Collection AT. To this day, you can still find Milano Collection as a member of New Japan's color commentary team. I've even seen him uh, train some of the people uh, in stardom, some of the gals in stardom, some other people. He's continued to train some people. He's still got lots of wrestling knowledge. I mean, he's a Ultimo Dragon student, so he's still got a lot of knowledge uh, behind those eyeballs. And apparently, according to his wiki, he's also a member of the IWGP Championship Committee. I'm still not convinced whether or not that's kayfabe or not, uh, but I'd like to think it's not because it would greatly explain why evil won the titles. (laughs) Maybe actually wouldn't explain the kayfabe part, but he's a long known evil fan. So that might explain why he was able to win the double titles if he's on the championship committee after all. Uh, But who knows? I don't know. What am I? Some sort of booker man? I don't know. Let's just end the goddamn show. Milano collection ATs G one and only grade C. In two weeks, we will stay in the year 2007 and look at another wrestler who competed in his one and only G1 Climax. He is a former sumo turn pro, and he's certainly out to crush you at home. Next episode, we will talk about the great and powerful Akebono. So, I can't wait to discover a new wrestler to me at that time. So, in the meantime, subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. But until next episode, please stay safe, everybody. Still, if you're able to, uh, if you're able to, you know, stay safe, wear your mask, get your vaccine. I have both, uh, not both vaccines, but both doses and officially in the clear at the time of this episode. So I'm going to go and eat indoors at a restaurant. <laughs> that is the gravely sad truth of this world is I'm going to now go outside 
and eat indoors at a restaurant. That's the big thing I'm excited for to do. Let me just say that I will talk to you all in two weeks on G1 and only. This has been a Countout Podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.